Welcome to the Grace City Tampa podcast. My name is Alex Damari. Me and my wife, Brianna, are the lead pastors. Our vision is to lead people into a life-transforming relationship with Jesus Christ. We pray that today's podcast will build you up, lift your faith, and encourage you in the journey. Here's the message. Today, I want to read from the epistle of 2 Corinthians. It's the second letter that we have record of that Paul wrote to the Corinthian church. And Paul was really the founding pastor, the church planter of this church. And he's writing these letters to the different churches as reminders of who God is, as reminders of what God has done for them, of reminders of what they're called to do and what they are meant to do for the gospel. And in a lot of these books that we read in the Bible, They are obviously written to specific churches thousands of years ago, and we have to read them through that lens of who they're written to. But can I tell you that the power of the Word of God transcends time? This book is alive and active today, and it speaks to every single one of us. So even though this scripture in 2 Corinthians was written to a church thousands of years ago, it can speak to our hearts today. And I pray that we will receive it like Paul wrote it to us. Is that okay? Can we do that together? 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14 through 17 says this. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ Jesus, the new creation has come The old has gone, and the new is here. The new is here. Come on, I pray you hear that truth today, that the new is here. Your past no longer defines you. The new is here. The the ways in which the world has looked at you, the new is here. The things that you've been clinging on to, the new is here. Every person under the sound of my voice, I want you to be reminded and encouraged today that the new is here. Let's pray before I attempt to unfold this scripture. Lord, we thank you for these moments where we get to gather with other people that believe in you or are seeking you. We get to be reminded of your goodness and of your great love for us. I pray we truly are reminded in the deepest parts of our heart Lord, I pray that mindsets would be broken. Anybody that comes in with a preconceived idea of what's supposed to take place in this room, I pray, God, it would be broken and that you would speak and you would move. Thank you that your word is speaking to us. Let it transform us from the inside out. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. I have a confession to make, something I wanna share with everybody. I have a real issue in my life, a real issue and something that I really need to deal with at some point. Brianna, my wife, actually encourages me 
constantly to deal with this, this issue. But for some reason, I just haven't come to the place where I actually have dealt with it yet. And that issue is that my closet is completely full of clothes that I don't wear. Can we just be real for a second? Like probably 70% of the clothes in my closet. And listen, I'm not like a designer shopper. I'm like a thrift store kind of guy. You know what I'm saying? So I see like a one, one single piece and I'm like, it's only $3. What's it going to do? It's just a rack. You know what I mean? It's just, just a hanger. My closet is full of clothes that I don't wear. And underneath my shirts are a ton of shoes that I don't wear either. I have like five pairs of shoes that I generally wear and the rest of them are just taking up space. And don't, don't laugh at me like you're not someone who has a bunch of clothes that you don't wear. I don't know what it is about these clothes, whether I have a fond memory of them, something that I loved at one point, or whether I go, man, I'm gonna fit in that again someday, right? Those clothes are still there, like, and I just go, man, and Brianna constantly, Alex, you need to purge, you need to purge, you need to get rid of it, and like, I'm like, no, babe, like, I'm still holding on to these things, they still hold meaning, I still enjoy all of these things. And the reason I don't throw them away is really I just don't feel compelled to do it. I don't feel compelled to do it. I actually would say, on the other side, I'm more compelled to keep them because of the fond memories or because I do think that they will fit again. I can make a promise to you, I'm probably gonna go home today and I'm going to purge and I'm going to uh, Michelle Kondo that, that room together and I'm going to clean out my closet, only find the things that bring good energy or whatever that is. But it's funny, in talking about my closet, I hope you can see it in the way that I see it, that oftentimes, there's a beautiful correlation of how we act with God all the time. The things that are in our closet that we haven't dealt with or gotten rid of, the old things that are still there that we kind of just tuck away because no one sees them. See, we can enter into an understanding of God. We can welcome him into our lives, believe that Jesus died, that he rose again, that he's reigning on his throne. We can get baptized. We can go down the checklist, right? I'm going to check all the boxes of what it looks like to be saved. And from the outside, we look like we have it all together. Yet so often we have a closet full of old things that we're holding on to. Whether intentionally or unintentionally, we have issues that we don't deal with. Things that we need to let go of. Come on, we hold on to an addiction because its roots are so deep that we can't even find the bottom of it. We stick with the habits because it's a hidden thing from other people and it has no effect on everyone else. We cling on to our old lives before Christ because it's what we've always known. We worry about things because it's our human response to stress. We have anxious thoughts because we're overwhelmed. We automatically run to coping mechanisms because they bring relief in one way or another. We walk in anger, strife, selfish ambition, jealousy, envy, rage, because it's how we were raised, so that's who we are. I could keep going and going, and you can probably, you know, see one of those things that I said and maybe say that's in my closet right now or maybe even all of them are in your closet. And oftentimes in an environment like this, those things don't come out. It's easier just to keep them in the closet. This scripture in 2 Corinthians 5 
releases us from the thinking that we need to hold on to anything of the world, the ways of the flesh, or the enemy has to offer. Come on, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, and the old is gone, the new is here. Church, when we are in Christ, the new creation has come in our life. The old things of our life are gone, and the new is here. Come on, church. We're not just talking about a decision to walk away from our old lives. No, the almighty God, the one who spoke the universe into existence, the one who raises the dead, heals the sicknesses and diseases, the one who conquered the grave, offers us a new beginning founded in his power, not in ours. Founded in his ability, not in ours. Founded in his strength, not in ours. This isn't a simple check the box thing. Come on, the God of the universe is offering you a new beginning. You might say, Alex, I'm just too far gone. You don't know what's in my closet. You don't know what I'm hiding and harboring here. You don't know the things that I've maybe even done this morning. And no, I don't. But I do know the power of my God. And I do know that the enemy flees at the mention of his name. I do know that there is no brokenness that he cannot heal. You can't run far enough away where God can't find you. And hear me today. The power of your sin is nowhere in comparison to the mighty, ultimate power of our God. The power of your sin is in nowhere in comparison to the ultimate, almighty power of our God's mercy that covers every single sin of our God's grace. Come on, church. It's not even in comparison. And the God who created the heavens and the earth is still a creating God. He's still a creating God. See, when we make the decision to trust God with our lives and offer ourselves to him, we're made into a new creation. Second Corinthians, if anyone is in Christ, if you make the decision to follow Christ, you are a new creation. That word creation is in relation to the same word found in Genesis 1.27, where God created man in his image. Come on, he formed, he molded, he breathed life into man. He created. Church, there's power in understanding that the creator God hasn't stopped creating. He's still creating in you and in me right here, right now. Even King David understood this. When he had his murderous affair with Bathsheba, more things in his closet that we would even know what to do with. Like, how do you even approach God with that kind of sin, with that kind of shame? Yet his response to God in Psalms 51.10 was, Oh God, create in me a new heart. Create in me a pure heart. Come on, our God is a recreating kind of God. And he's still creating in each and every one of us. And hear me, each day his mercy is recreating in us and giving us a fresh start. Lamentations 3, 22 through 23 in the NLT says, The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. Come on, this wasn't a one and done kind of creating God. He's still recreating in you. He's still offering mercy to cover no matter what it is. He's still offering it. He can take what is broken and make it whole. He can mend any destruction that's been done. He can redeem any situation. 
He can save. He can restore. He can renew. Man, I pray that settles in your heart. He can save. He can restore. He can renew. I don't know what you got in your closet. He can save. He can restore. He can renew. And I believe that's the word of the Lord for each and every person in this room. That our creator God is still creating. He can save. He can restore. He can renew. Let me tell you today that those who are in Christ Jesus are a new creation. The old is gone and the new is here. Your closet is about to be emptied. Your past is about to be forgotten. You are a new creation. Come on, whatever we say, the new is here. The new is here. It's hard to talk about a topic like this, such a big topic, and think, yeah, like, I have a new creation, and just make it a generalized idea and then leave and just go, okay, cool, thumbs up. Thanks for saying that, Pastor. I think it's so important that we talk about the logical steps to get there. What does it look like to truly understand this? To truly, under, to truly outlive this and walk in the new creation that God offers. Really, in everything in our lives, we have like a process. We have steps. Even when Brianna and I first were looking at getting married, there was a massive process to get married. First of all, I had to get an extra job and save up extra money to buy a ring for this girl. You know what I'm saying? Still has it on her finger almost 10 years later. Hallelujah. Okay, a couple people said that's fine. <laughs> I had to plan what it would look like to get engaged. I had to talk to her dad, set it all up. And then I went and asked her, would you marry me? After that, we started doing all the planning, all the preparations, all the saving. I remember going to pre-marriage counseling. Then we did all the parties, all the things leading up to it. We did the celebration. We got busy and we're married. The steps were so important. You really couldn't move them around from that order. They needed to be in accordance with what our goal was. And I want to simplify everything that I've said today and the fact that God is offering you a new, that the new is here, the old is gone. And what does it look like for us to capture that in our lives? I want to start in verse 14. It says this, For Christ's love compels us. Everyone say compels us. Because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. For Christ's love compels us. The first step, if you're taking notes, into the new is here for all of us is be convinced. Be convinced. Come on. God loved us first and we are compelled by that love to be convinced. It's because of God's love. That word compelled in the English language is actually such an aggressive word. If you look it up in the Webster's Dictionary right now, it means forced. So if we were to read it in that way, for Christ's love forces us to be convinced that he died. That's not God. That's not the way in which he sees us or leads us. That word in the original language is sunecho. And sunecho means an experience that leads us to press on or continue in. That's a way more beautiful way for us to see this. Don't you see that? So God, because of his love, sunecho, which is him leading us, because of the experience of his love, he is leading us to, he is encouraging us to press on or continue into being convinced that he died for us. He's beckoning us. He's leading us. Isn't that so beautiful? 
1 John 4.19 says, we love because he first loved us. Come on, that's the ultimate experience. That's the ultimate thing, the ultimate act of love that is shown for us. And it wasn't him doing it after the fact, like, show me that you're going to be worthy of it, and then I'll do this mighty act. No, he loved us first. And we can only love God because he loved us first. And the experience, it's the experience that leads us to be convinced of his love. So this love that he offers leads us to be convinced, meaning our minds are made up. We have made up our minds that we are loved by this God. Aren't you grateful that God isn't forceful? Aren't you grateful that the God of the universe, who could be forceful if he wanted to, isn't? And he genuinely loves us. No other God in the universe offers love first. No other God wants a true relationship with each and every one of us. That's the God that we serve. We have to be fully convinced of the love. And the sacrifice before we can enter into a new creation that God offers. We have to believe in our heart and confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and we will be saved. We have to be convinced. He's drawing us. It's an experience. He's compelling us to be convinced. Step number one, we have to be convinced. Be convinced of the love of God. Continuing in verse 15, it says this. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in that way, we do so no longer. Second step, I told you this is practical. Be selfless. Be selfless. Come on, we no longer live for ourselves, but him who died for us. We've been given purpose in him. Selflessness is easy to say, but it's hard to live out. It's easy, even in an environment like this, to say, man, I could be selfless. Oh, I want to take a deep dive. I want to lay down my life for God because it's easy in this moment. But in reality, I know a lot of people all the time who are unwilling to part with the pieces of themselves they had before Christ. They take their life before Christ almost as a name tag that says, hello, my name is this. And they've clung on to the identity of their past as the thing that makes them up. When God is offering a new name, when God is offering a new way and a new future for every single person, they struggle to let go of the world and lose the titles of the worldly self. And they think if I let go of this name tag, I'll lose myself completely. It's not the truth. Growing up in a town surrounded by mountains, we would have snow multiple months of the year. And when you have snow like that and it's below freezing months on end, you have to dress accordingly. Morning, night, whenever you're outside, you got to bundle up so that your fingers don't freeze and fall off, literally. And uh, I remember being 15, getting my very first part-time job, saving up a bunch of money and going into the local snowboard shop and seeing this name brand beanie that I thought, man, someday I'm going to buy that. So I saved every bit of money to buy this beanie. And I don't, have a, I don't have a picture to show you today because I'm too embarrassed of how terrible this beanie. I thought I was like Sean White, like I'm like going to be the next snowboarding, you know, prodigy. And there I was with this little brown beanie that would come over my head and it had a huge bill that would just come out over the side. I don't know what I was thinking. I even looked at pictures this morning and regretted it. And that's why I'm not showing you a picture. <laughs> It's terrible. Don't look at my Facebook. 
I love that beanie. I was 15 years old. That thing became a part of me. I didn't just wear it in winter. I was wearing it in summer. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's like 105 degrees where we, you know, where we were in the summer. And I would wear that beanie just strong. I was one of those guys. And I remember even three years later going off to college, and I wore that thing everywhere. I went to college in Sydney, Australia, and it was 118 degrees some days in the summer. There was Alex in his brown beanie. You know what I'm saying? Like, that was a part of me. I thought it was like a part of my identity. Like, when people would see me, they go, oh, yeah, that's Alex. He's the brown beanie guy. You know what I'm saying? Like, now that I look back on it, it's so silly, right? It's absolutely ridiculous. And when Brianna and I got together, I remember dating for about six months, and I would still wear my beanie. And she goes, so when are you going to get rid of the beanie? <laughs> and, uh, and I held on to that thing. We got married, and I remember it was a couple, you know, it was just a couple months into our marriage, and she finally convinced me, Alex, it's time to let that beanie die. Not just go, die. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And uh, I remember that day, taking it out, putting it in the trash all nice. It's like a funeral moment. And I let that thing go. But we do this with our old lives all the time. We think they make up who we are. When in reality, when we step into the being convinced, God welcomes us into the new life in him. When we, wel when we come into relationship with God, he welcomes us into the throwing away of our old self. The things that we think make up who we are. The name tag that says the title of, oh, that makes you up and you can't lose that thing anymore. He's welcoming us into the throwing of that thing away. And I love this scripture because it says that we, are, we no longer live for ourselves. We are no longer regarded from a worldly point of view, even though it was the case at one point, it is no longer. The things, the, the titles on your life that you had before God, even people who have been following God their whole lives that have been holding on to these things, just because you think it makes up who you are, he's coming in and giving you a new name. Your hello, my name is name tag now says joy. Now, now says fulfilled. Now says full of grace. Now says called. Now says saved. Now says gifted. Now says sanctified. Now says set apart. Now says child of God. Come on, church. He's giving you a new name. We don't need to hold on to the worldly things, the old things anymore, just because we think that it makes up who we are. Church, we have to be selfless. We have to make the choice every day, no matter how fond we are of our old lives and the momentary false fulfillment it brings to let it go and let God live within us and let his name for us be the truth for our lives. He wants to tran transform us. Yeah. He wants to give us a new beginning. We have to let him. And it happens when we are convinced of the love he has for us and when we pick up our cross daily and follow him, when we are selfless, when we lay down our old worldly names, our old worldly ways and say, I am selfless now and I'm following after what God has for me. And we finish the verse in verse 17. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, the new is here. Step three is this, and I'll invite the band up. Be aware. Be aware. Now, it might seem like a cop-out. It's very simple, but let me explain what I mean. The other day, I was cleaning my house, and I had just cleaned our, our back sliding door. 
And I cleaned it pretty good. I mean, you pretty much could not see any more of the, the smears of our four children any longer on this back door. And I sat back to look at it, and I, so, and I watched as my youngest daughter, who's two, she had been walking in and out of this door, but as I stepped back, I saw it. It was almost like a slow-motion moment, and she just walked straight into that door. And you know those moments as a parent where you're like, I should have probably intervened, but I'm like, I just wanted to wait and see what had happened. <laughs> and then also the moments where it's like, you're trying to hold back like laughter, but you're like trying to embrace them. Be like, oh, I'm so sorry that you just ran into that thing. That word aware means having knowledge of the fact. Having knowledge of the fact. See, if Cece would have known, if she would have had knowledge of the fact that that door was closed, she wouldn't have walked through it. She didn't have knowledge of the fact that that door was closed, and so she ran straight into the door. So the final step today is that we would be aware. If you leave with nothing else today, I pray that you have the full knowledge of the fact of 2 Corinthians 5.17, where it says, Therefore, if anyone is in, in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, the new is here. Hear me today, church. This isn't a feel-good mantra. This isn't a fun quote. This isn't a suggestion for your life. This is fact. We have to have the knowledge of the fact of who God says we are and who he has, how he sees us. This is fact. His creation power is at full work in our lives. And he sees us as a new creation. Isaiah 43, 25 says, I am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake and remembers your sins no more. Come on, we have to be aware that he promises that the old is gone, that he doesn't look at us like we're tainted or stained. No, we're being covered by his mercy that's new every morning. And we are a new creation. The new is here. We have to be aware. We have to fully know the facts that he has called us a new creation. Amen. I invite you to stand all across this room. on church we have to be convinced we have to be selfless we have to be aware we got to be convinced of the love of Jesus for us we got to know that we know that he loves us we have to be selfless we have to lay down our lives for him lay down our old ways throw away the things that we think make us up and say God whatever names you have for me I'll take them and we have to be aware of the fact of Jesus Christ and what he did for us and the new creation that we are promised. It's not just a fun quote. The new is here. Amen? Amen. I don't know what's in your closet. I don't know what you're going to leave here thinking it's time to empty that thing out. It's time to let that thing go whether this is your first time hearing the gospel message or whether this is your thousandth time. I know all of us have things in our closets that we need to go purge and empty out. Be convinced of the love. Be selfless. Be aware. The new is here. Our fresh beginning and our new creation our freedom 
was all made possible because of Jesus Christ and his sacrifice. Everything I'm talking about today was not the reality before Jesus came and died for us. On 2 Corinthians 5, 21, as it finishes this chapter, as it finishes this section, it says this, that God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Let me read it again. So God made him, he's talking about Jesus, the son of the almighty God, who had no sin, he was the perfect sacrifice, he was pure, he was holy, to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Church, your new creation came at a price. And that was the life of Jesus Christ on the cross. He bore our sin and our shame upon him. He carried the weight of our mistakes and he willingly took on the cross. He became the complete atonement. He became the, the complete fulfillment for us so that we could be a new creation. He paid the ultimate price. See, Romans 6.23 says, the wages of sin is death. So Jesus came, the perfect sacrifice, and paid the wages of sin of all mankind once and for all. And he died for the atonement of our sins and the sins of humanity. It's because of Jesus that we can be a new creation. Aren't you grateful for Jesus? We don't deserve to be a new creation because of anything we've done, but because of the one who was made to be sin for us, Jesus Christ. I invite you to bow your heads and close your eyes all across this room. Maybe you heard me talking today about what Jesus has done and how much he loves you and all the things that he's done for you. And you would say, yes, today, I believe in what you're saying. I acknowledge that what you're saying is truth and I want Jesus in my life. I want God to have my life and I wanna lay myself down for him. This is just gonna be a moment where you can acknowledge that you believe. This is the first step into the journey of following after God. You're just acknowledging that today you have been convinced that Jesus Christ came and died and rose again and is reigning forevermore and he is the king. I'm gonna count to three and at the count of three, I'm just gonna ask you to pop your hand up. This is just you acknowledging, yep, I wanna give my life to Jesus. Whether it's your first time ever or whether today is a day where you're returning back to the Lord. You've been wandering for a season and you haven't been living a life worthy of the call of God and you say, today I wanna rededicate my life. Let me count to three and you raise your hand. One, know that God loves you so much. He sent his one and only son to die so that you could know life in this life and life eternal. Two, the Bible says that today is the day of salvation. You don't need to wait any longer. You don't need to have all the answers. Come on, God is calling you into the new creation. You can be convinced today that he loves you. Three, if that's you, would you raise your hand? Come on, I see your hand. If you want to raise your hand and give your life to Jesus, praise Lord. I see your hand. I see your hand, hallelujah. Anybody else today, you'd say, I acknowledge that Jesus is the Lord. Come on, I see your hand. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Anybody else? We'll give a moment longer. 
people want to give their lives to Jesus. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Come on, the Bible says, oh, I see your hand right here. The Bible says this, that when one says yes to Jesus, all of heaven rejoices. Come on, can we celebrate everybody that just gave their life to Jesus, that had the faith to step into that new decision of following him or returning back to him. We're so proud of you for making that decision. We're so grateful you had the courage enough to raise your hand. And this is the first step into a lifelong learning and following of the way of Jesus. And we welcome you into the amazing family of believers. Your life is never going to be the same. Come on, you are a new creation in Christ Jesus. Now that you have been convinced, you are a new creation. I would encourage you, if you did raise your hand, the team would have come and given you a Bible. I want to make sure you make your way out to the lobby after service. Go to the Connect booth. Get plugged in with the team right there. They want to help you, give you some tools, and show you what the next steps are in this faith journey. For everybody else in the room, I'm just going to simply ask, as a moment of surrender and welcoming the new creation into our life, could we just raise our hands? I know I've asked you to raise your hands a lot, but it's just an act of surrender. That's the only reason we do this thing. Lord, right now I pray that every person under the sound of my voice would be convinced of the love that you have for them all the days of their life. Let us never forget that you loved us first. Lord, I pray that every single person would walk in selflessness. Lord, I pray that every single person would choose to pick up their cross daily and throw away the old life, the things that they think make themselves up and step into the new names that you have for them. And today, Lord, I pray for a new awareness, a matter of fact, the knowledge of the fact that you have called us a new creation through Christ Jesus. We claim the new creation, Lord, we thank you that the old is gone. We thank you that things hidden in the closet are broken by the power of your cross and by the power of your resurrection. We claim the new life, the new creation, the new names, the new beginnings. And Lord, let us respond in a way where we lay our lives down. Come on, let's sing this song out together. Thank you for listening to the Grace City Tampa podcast. Stay tuned for more weekly messages from our church.